Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast. I'm your host, Elena Fox. Hey guys, I hope you're doing really well in this moment in time and that whenever and wherever you happen to be on this magical, mystical, manic Monday, I hope that you are able to understand that not everyone in this world is going to see it the way you see it. Not everybody in this world is going to know the things you know. They haven't experienced the things you've experienced. And therefore, it's imperative that you know who you are, what you've experienced, and that you're not just hallucinating, you're not just crazy, you're not insane to believe the things that you believe based on the knowledge and the experience that you have gained on this, your spiritual journey. Do not allow sleepers, sleeping people to tell you that you're hallucinating or you're crazy when they themselves are still in la la land (laughs) and they're still dreaming and they have no damn clue. Uh, last week I had a friendly, not at all unfriendly, but, um, not unpleasant at all either, but I had, um, a conversation with somebody who hopes everything I'm saying is true. That's what he said. I hope everything you're saying is true. And then he says, but you don't really know. Nobody really knows anything. And I said, well, that's not exactly true. I know what I know and you hope that what I know to be true is true but you're never gonna believe me until you've experienced these things for yourself and the only advice I can give you is keep going keep striving, keep raising your vibration, keep on keeping on in the spiritual way, keep meditating, keep praying, keep raising and attuning your vibration higher and ever higher. And you're going to get there. And one day, this is what I told him. And one day you will have a spiritual awakening so intense and so vibrant that you're going to be like, bam, and now I'm on a path. Holy shit. I'm on a spiritual path and you're going to realize you're like on this spiritual road and you're going to look around and you're going to see that either I'm ahead of you or you're ahead of me on the path. And you're going to be like, damn, I had no idea. You're either going to see me ahead or behind or not at all, (laughs) but we're all on this path together. I mean, it's not an actual path. You're not going to, you know, I, I visualize it in my mind as like a, a dirt road in a lonely countryside with some mountains off in the distance. That's the way I see it. 
you know, maybe somewhere in California. <laughs> it's my spiritual path in my mind is kind of like that. But, um, you know, not anyone's going to see that. It's just my metaphor I have in my uh, subconscious mind for this. But the truth of the matter is the facts of actual reality are that the people who are still asleep cannot comprehend what is actually going on until they wake up. Just like a person who's sleeping on the couch in a living room, they don't know what's going on outside their house, you know, or even in their bed, doesn't matter where they sleep, you know, in the bathtub, on the floor, doesn't matter. You know, people who are asleep in a house, they don't know what's going on in the news until they wake up and turn on the news and see it, or they walk outside and they see people protesting, oh shit, what happened? <laughs> I didn't know about that. I was asleep, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of how it is, right? When you're spiritually, um, awake, suddenly you're, you know, you're, you're like, you become aware. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you start questioning your reality a little bit. Like, I don't think that, um, things are the way that I always was taught they were, <laughs> you know, you start getting this little inkling of, huh? There's a little bit more to life than, you know, partying and sex with strangers, right? I mean, my first, my spiritual awakening happened, my big one happened when I was 18. And I was like, just having a lot of fun, getting drunk, getting high, going to class, going to university, having my own apartment. I mean, that was the bomb, man. You know, meeting new people, having random sex with strangers. Oh my God, it was so fun. So dangerous. And then that whole AIDS crisis suddenly hit and it was like, it was suddenly in the news all the time. And I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> maybe I better not do that. Oops, oopsies. <laughs> and shortly after that first initial spiritual awakening where things were like lining up, the coincidences were lining up. And I was like, Oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing any of that. <laughs> maybe that's not how I ought to be living my life. I don't know. And I ended up meeting a, a, a guy who became my boyfriend for almost seven years. We were like six years together and he was uh, spiritual too. He was a seeker as well. So it was pretty nice. We kind of were able to cling to each other for a while and, and, uh, keep getting these more, um, intense, uh, insights and awakenings. And it was just like, woo <laughs> insights. And then all these books start flowing our way and people would be like, Oh, did you read this? Or, or we would be walking down the street and Whoa, there's a new age bookstore here. Let's go inside. Let's buy some crystals. <laughs> Let's meditate our crystals and see what happens and see if there's anything magical about this. that's going to make our lives, you know, better. <laughs> and, you know, maybe we're going to learn something here. And it just, that's how it started for me. Now, everyone's awakening and spiritual journey is going to be um, similar, but different. Everyone's going to have a different, you know, like someone will be in church and they'll get an epiphany like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> this isn't my church anymore. I don't think I believe these things. Or maybe I believe some of them, but not all of them or whatever. You know, some people might just be, you know, uh, just doing their own thing, minding their own business. And all of a sudden they know everything that they learned in past lives. And then they're like, holy moly, past lives are real. What? 
I remember when Oprah Winfrey was going through her spiritual awakening back in the 80s, about the same time I was. And she was kind of like me as far as the unconscious, kind of not really aware of this stuff. And then when her awareness, her attention was brought to it, I mean, I remember the look on her face when someone said, you know, reincarnation (laughs) is real. And I remember her face like, what? What, what do you mean I lived before? I have a past life. I thought this was the only thing we had. And they were like, no, no, we're, <laughs> we live many, many lifetimes. We have soulmates. We have people that we come here to work stuff out with. And I mean, all that knowledge when it was brand new. Oh my God. I wish I could go back and get a copy of that that initial, um, the Oprah Winfrey show, the original, when she was competing against, I think Phil Donahue, or maybe he was, you know, either the show, I think his show might've been before or after hers was on the same channel at work, you know, same network, but, um, at work network, whatever. (laughs) But I remember, um, he started to have a spiritual guest on his show, I think because Oprah did. And he also had this thing where he had this episode about reincarnation. I think maybe the same guest, you know, possibly. And it was like, oh my God, the people, the reactions of the people, you guys, they were standing there like violently shaking. They were so fucking scared because they were having their spiritual awakening live on national TV during this interview. And they're like, uh, 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 what do you mean? What do you mean? Uh, I, I didn't know this was true. And they would like could barely get their words out. I remember this one lady was shaking so bad. Her face was red. She was crying. Her shirt was wet with her tears. She was like, her fists were clenched and she was so effing terrified. Like, to realize that this world is not all there is. (laughs) And there's a vast amount of knowledge you don't have. It is terrifying. It is terrifying, you know, and to realize that we're hopping timelines left and right, folks. Every choice you make results in you going up a timeline or down a timeline, up in vibration or down in vibration. Everything that you do leads to something else that you're going to choose where you go up or down a timeline. (laughs) And everything that you uh, say comes back to you. The karma thing, people have been knowing about that now since, you know, the 80s late eighties, early nineties. Like I remember when that one came around, people were using it to blame the victim. Well, that's just your karma. You were beaten up. That's your karma. You know, it's like, mm, not always, it doesn't totally work like that. And it wasn't until the two thousands that people start coming out going, well, karma is not so cut and dry. It's not so black and white as you might believe it's there's a lot more to it than you think, you know, um, I remember all these 
early, you know, when, when it started to become mainstream and then, you know, you have people like spiritual masters over in India that they've got holy books over there that talked about this shit for 4,000 years. And they're like, what the fuck is going on in the West? Like, you know, how do they not already know this information? It's kind of dumb. Like, you know, we're slow. <laughs> we're not getting it, you know? And I can only imagine the people that grew up with this knowledge just going, what? <laughs> you didn't even know about Oh my God, how did you not even know this stuff? It's so easy. It's so basic. It's basic knowledge, right? But here in the West, we're just like, um, <laughs> what? <laughs> Excuse me, what now? <laughs> Excuse me, I can live in two bodies on two different planets at the same time. What now? <laughs> I mean, those are the new, that's the newest information coming down where we're just like, um, <laughs> and those of us who have started to, um, have superhuman abilities. We're just, we're being blown away by that, you know, and there's still people in this world going, what do you mean by karma? What does that mean? What is that? <laughs> you know, there's still people who are like past lives. What? <laughs> there's some people that still haven't heard about this stuff, even though in the United States, it's been around since at least 1980, like five, 1986, you know, when, uh, Shirley MacLaine came on the scene in in a big way and she had her book out on a limb. And then that became a, um, it was a, 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 God, it was a televised event. That movie was, um, I don't know if it was in one night or if it was like over the course of several nights, it wasn't like the thorn birds or roots, which were like several nights in a row. It was like a whole week of this intense story for a couple hours every night. Like I always loved those events. It was like, damn, this is really, really intense. That was like back in the day before cable, before satellites, before, you know, when it was just like the three major networks and a couple minor networks. And that was pretty much it. You know, we had ABC, NBC, and CBS, and then we had PBS and then you know, occasionally the locals, you know, there'd be like little local stations that, you know, you get a mile out of Kansas city, baby, you're not getting this station. Right. You know, like we had a lot of a, a lot of different things back in those days. It was like, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have the internet. We couldn't just look shit up on our phones. We didn't have phones in our hands or pockets or purses or backpacks. We just, we had one that plugged into the wall and we weren't startled when it rang. We just, Oh, Hey, someone's trying to call us. Cool. Who's that? That's exciting. <laughs> and now when our cell phones ring, we're like, fuck, why don't they text first? Ah, Oh, now I'm on the spot. Oh, now if I decline, they're going to know. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, it's night and day difference. Our worlds, you know, like, when I was growing up, when I was a teenager versus now, I'm like blown away, you know, but everybody's on the spiritual journey and everybody has a different set of knowledges. <laughs> Everyone has a different set of lessons that they've learned already. And they have a different set of, um, things that they know already, you know, and, um, some people are just brand new starting out and they're starting to hear this stuff and they're like, Ooh, fairies are real. 
oh, that's so cool and magical. God, I kind of hope that's true. You know, and then there's people who don't even hope it's true. They don't believe it. They just think, you think you see a fairy dude. That's a hallucination. You need to go to the doctor immediately. You need to take medicine to stop the hallucinations. Meanwhile, I'm over here, you know, having a conversation with a fucking gnome because he's interesting and he's funny as shit. You know, (laughs) he's actually really interesting and fun to talk to. And you know, the other fairies, they come around and they, they lighten up my life and I feel wonderful. You know, like I tell the, the water spirits, like when my water's boiling, I want you guys to, to like alert me to the fact that it's boiling. So it doesn't fully boil out. And I asked them that a couple weeks ago. And now every time I get kind of like, um, a whoosh of energy, like, a uh, like look at your water kind of Oh yeah, shit. Thanks. You know? And I turn around and, Oh, it is boiling. Awesome. You know, I keep, so like I work with the fairies all the time. Like they're there, they're real. They want to be worked with. They enjoy that. You know, I've commanded lightning and, and I've asked the wind to pick up, to ask, to answer me a certain question, you know, blow this way. If the answer is whatever and blow this way, if the answer is this, but I'm going to ask God and have God, you know, relay it through the Deva here. And I've in, you know, through the upper, you know, and it kind of goes dee, 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 down the line, down the ladder, you know, <laughs> you'll let me know by the answer, but I want to know it, or I'll ask mother earth, let it blow this way. If the answer is yes. And let it blow that way. If the answer is no. And let me know the answer to this question. When I ask you about the earth or about you or whatever. And I've, and I've always gotten, you know, and I've always gotten answers. You know, you start working with these, um, energies and these beings and it's very interesting. You know, now I've talked to people who say, I only ask God. Okay, fine. Only work with God. If that's what you're comfortable with, that's fine. You know, I mean, just because I'm asking something, I'm asking nature, something about the nature of itself. And so I'm asking the source of itself, you know, it's like, you know, I, I could ask God what kind of shirt you're wearing and try to go muscle testing to find out your shirt is purple or eggplant, you know, and I go, Hey, you know, uh, what color is that shirt of yours you're wearing? I can't quite see it from here. And you could say it's purple or eggplant. Well, I didn't need to go through God. Is this shirt turquoise? Is the shirt yellow? Is the shirt white? Is the shirt brown? Is it eggplant? Oh, there we go. It's eggplant. You know, I mean, there's 64 crayons in a box and that, that doesn't even cover all the you know, a crew or <laughs> all the colors, you know, there's like what 50, 60, 200 names for white, you know, or off white, slightly off white, you know, cream, Swiss coffee, a <laughs> crew, like, come on, you know, um, I could ask God about stuff, but sometimes it's easier to go to directly to the thing you're wondering about. Right. So I could ask, um, the mushroom people about how they came here. They know their own journey and story and they'll tell you, you know, got to take the magic mushrooms to find out. (laughs) And if you don't want to do that, that's okay too. But it's hard to explain to somebody the nature of reality through the eyes of mushrooms. If they've never even had a cup of coffee, (laughs) you know, I've met people who've never had a morsel of sugar in their mouth because their mom didn't believe in it. And so they grew up super like healthy, like vegan or whatever. And 
you can't explain what a steak tastes like to a vegan and you can't explain, you know, your spiritual experiences to an unawakened, spiritually unaware person. It's just impossible. Like, how are they supposed to understand that your experience is real and valid and the nature of reality is not what they believe because they don't know. They only have the one little, you know, if you've never left your living room ever, you've never been outside, you can't explain what rain on your cheeks feel like. It just sounds weird. Like you could say, well, you know, when you go in the shower, but it's not quite that way. Because when you're in the shower, you don't smell the layers of ozone in the air and you don't, you know, feel, you know, the wind and, and hear experience the thunder beneath your feet where the ground is shaking and the sky is, you know, fraught with lightning. Like you can't explain a thunderstorm to somebody who's never experienced it. You can, sh- you know, share your experience of it, but I'm sure there's people on this planet that just don't believe that's real. You know, I, I was in Lima, Peru and, and they've never had rain in 50 years. There are people that lived there their whole lives and never traveled outside of the city. And they have yet to experience rain, just normal rain, not even thunder and lightning and <coughs> big booming storms and they, and, and, and let alone hurricanes or any of that. They just, I can't, they can't even imagine snow. What? They've never had precipitation in 50 years. There are people in their 30s, 20s, 30s, and 40s. They think you're lying. What? Shut up. That's not even true. Water spouts? What? That's not even true. Hurricanes, tornadoes. These people are fucking crazy. That's not, that weather can't even exist. (laughs) You know? You know, somebody who's never seen the internet or they've never been out outside of their little, you know, village, they, they can't imagine the weird shit that goes on. And I mean that right there, if, um, if I was in that situation and then I moved to a place where there's like a freaking tornado and I see it, man, I would, that would uproot me in untold ways. I can't even imagine what someone like that in that kind of a situation, if they finally travel and they experience rain, I mean, they would, would they be frightened? Would they be filled with joy? Would it be because of their natural personality and their astrology? Is that how they would be, you know, how they were raised by their family? Like what would be the factors of that? You know? So imagine that somebody who's never experienced rain and you've lived through earthquakes and fire and floods and lightning and, and hurricanes, you've lived through all this weather and you try to explain, they're going to think you're fucking crazy. You sound like you're nuts right now. What are you talking? Like I've experienced wind and sun and clouds, but there's not much else to weather. What are you talking? Like, like to somebody in that situation that you would sound nuts. You know, and yet all that stuff is real and it all exists, you know, and we think of volcanoes as hot. And what did I tell you guys a couple weeks ago that there's a comet going through the galaxy and it has an ice volcano, (laughs) has an ice volcano. It expels ice into the, into its little atmosphere on the comet as it's traveling around the universe. I mean, 
the shit just keeps getting wilder and weirder (laughs) every day, even in the physical world and in this reality that we find ourselves in, things are really weird, really strange. And it's getting weirder. (laughs) Although those of us who've been around a while, or at least we're awake enough to understand that things are never what a hundred percent, you know, what we believe. Now, animals that we thought were extinct are coming back. That was predicted. I don't know if if it was predicted in the Bible. It might have been. I think it might have been predicted in the Quran and in other, um, you know, writings. And now here we go. Boom. Holy shit. Wait a minute. We thought that that was extinct. And now there's there's a Tasmanian devil, (laughs) you know. Or we thought this other creature, there was like a little mole or a vole or (laughs) some specific one, I think in Australia, and they just discovered it again. Like what? I mean, when the dodo birds come back, that's going to be freaky. And I don't think anyone ought to eat their eggs because that's how they went extinct in the first place. You know, and some animals are going extinct. God bless the black rhinos. Thank you for your service, wherever you are right now. You know, they're up in heaven going, yeah, well, we're done. We finished. They probably, as a collective soul, they probably um, went into the body of something different. You know, they're evolving. Everything is evolving. Everything is growing and learning and evolving. And I know that if somebody who's completely spiritually asleep asks me, a genuine question like I want to know you and your experience and what you're about if I tell them the complete truth they're just gonna glaze over <laughs> their eyes will be like glazed donuts <laughs> they'll just be like uh what and then they'll just think I'm totally nuts you know you know well let's see I I am the archangel of death and um I was a part of the fall and I'm here to protect humanity. And sometimes I'm in a human form and sometimes I'm in my angelic form and I, you know, usher souls back and forth. Mostly, you know, people who die, I usher them to heaven. But sometimes I think I might go along with the babies, you know, with my uh, twin flame, who's Archangel Sandalphon and, and he's in charge of ushering in new life. And I'm in charge of ushering out death, (laughs) dead people, basically that aren't ever really dead. We don't really die. We're just souls. And we go back and forth between dimensions and we experience different things until we decide maybe we want to be a mystical traveler and we go to other planets and Um, right now I'm living a couple different lives in the Orion galaxy, you know, in addition to my life here. And sometimes I bi-locate and I become, you know, I open up another, uh, energy body and I go somewhere and I create a physical body and I work and I do hard labor and I help other people just by my presence. I bring their energy up and I lift them up and I give them hope and, and I encourage them. And then I come back to my body and I reanimate where I live and you know, where I am here physically. And sometimes I'm battling demons and sometimes the demons come and they repent and they want to go back into their archangel form and they want to say they're sorry to God, but they need an intermediary because they're cut off their demons. And so I have to kind of negotiate with God. Maybe these people 
you know, are worthy. Maybe they're not, but I'm going to open the channel so you guys can talk. And God opens up the channel of communication and these people will, you know, will or won't, we don't know what's going to happen, but maybe they do want to come back into the fold and slowly, but surely the demons, the, the higher level demons are turning back into archangels and it's happening. And I know two of them who've already come back. And I know a couple more who have made a conscious effort to learn and grow spiritually. And they're sorry that they ever judged humans. And now they're coming back into the fold. They want to be a part of the thing. So if I say even just that much, people think I'm fucking crazy. It sounds nuts. I know it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to your spiritually, um, you know, you know, quiet or uh, unawakened mind. It doesn't make sense to your religious programming that men have done to you or that your families, you know, might've believed for generations, the same exact rhetoric. And you can't think outside of that religious box that you were shoved into since birth. It's hard to believe that anything outside of your religion is real. It sounds like it's all from the demons, you know, it's all from the devil, you know, the devil's a liar. Like I hear this shit all the time from people and it's like, yeah, yeah, he, he stretches the truth or he makes things seem like they're, that's not what they really are. I know him. He's incarnate right now (laughs) in a human form. He's a friend of mine and he's one of my best friends from heaven before he fell. He was my best friend and you know, but now he's. He and I are, we're not opposed to each other anymore. I'm trying to get them back to God. I'm trying to get everyone back to God. That's what the whole show is about. I want people to move back towards knowing who they are and walking towards the light and spiritually awakening and doing it step by step, stage by stage and having spiritual insights. I've got light codes and things to download from my voice that God puts there. I don't prime creator is here with me all the time. I've been channeling prime creator directly from my, (laughs) from out of my mouth, you know, things come since 2007, more so now than ever before. But, um, but to somebody who's spiritually asleep, I sound like a mad woman. (laughs) I'm completely crazy you know, compared to people who just see that this is material world and all you see is all there is and there's not much more to life. I know that we sound crazy, but who's really crazy? Living in a world completely asleep, you know, like hooked up to the matrix, (laughs) asleep in pods and they think that that's their life. (laughs) You know, I mean, the matrix is a huge metaphor for, I love that movie. Those movies are crazy, but it's a metaphor for, um, you know, humans are asleep. They're plugged into a system that only gives them a little tiny bit of information. And then suddenly people wake up, they unplug themselves and they're like, holy moly, there's a whole nother world out here. You know, it's not exactly like that. Thank God. But you know, we're not going to wake up in a vat of liquid goo (laughs) with, you know, an apparatus breathing for us and, oh shit, we weren't really alive, but now we're alive. (laughs) You know, it's not going to be exactly like that. Thank God. 
you know, but eventually you're going to wake up and realize, Oh, I'm not just a person in a body. I actually have a soul and my soul's inhabiting my body, but not really. Our souls are actually bigger than our bodies and they kind of overlay and animate our bodies. And, uh, we've got electricity going through our nervous system and we've got fluids. We have all the elements, you know, um, earth, air, fire, and water in our bodies. And, and spirit is what animates all of it and gives it life. And, you know, even that kind of knowledge is massive for some people. That's like a big spiritual awakening when they start to realize what that actually is. You know, it's not just some random, I have a soul. It's not like a little tiny, you know, donut shaped thing I could put in my purse and carry around with me or you know, it's not like the soul is in my heart and I, and I can, um, and if, if I have a heart attack or I sneeze or have an orgasm that <clears throat> my soul leaves my body and someone has to say, bless you to get me back in my body. That's not really real. Your heart stops, but your soul doesn't leave. <laughs> I sneezed and my soul left. Is that what you tell Peter at the gates? Same Peter. Guess what? <laughs> Archangel, you know, Peter, is that really his name? Probably not, but <laughs> you know, he's not an archangel. He's St. Peter. Like, you know, he's, you know, Hey Peter, guess what? <laughs> and who is he a gatekeeper? No, he's not even, it's not like that at all. You don't get to the gate. It's not like a golden gate. And Peter's outside is a damn bouncer, you know, ripped to shreds, dressed to the nines. <laughs> Excuse me. Are you on the list? You know, <laughs> I don't really believe it's like that. I know it's not like that. In fact, I've died five times in this life. And that's, you know, like a lot of people say, I hope what you're saying is real. It's like, dude, I have died in this body. Uh, This body has died five times and I've gone and I've, um, spoken to divine mother. (laughs) We have a mother and a father, not just a father. You know, it's just like as above, so below as below, so above. And I've gone there and I've spoken to God I've spoken to father God, which was, I experienced as just the most intense, beautiful love energy, but also it's just pure white light energy. It's source. It's not a physical form. And divine mother showed me herself as it was almost like a sun with a robe on. I don't know how to explain it. Like a sun with legs. Like she was so bright. I could barely see. And yet my eyes were not hurt. I was not blinded. And I just knelt before like this golden throne and I felt her absolute love. And she's so personable and loving. And so if the idea of a father, God scares or frightens you because you had a shitty relationship with your humanly father, you can turn around and just say divine mother, you know, Hey, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I mean, I've experienced both the energies of both and I've gone down the dark gray blue tunnel and I've gone towards the white light and I've gotten to the other side and I've even gone through a life review. I was dead for so long. I went through a life review a couple times and the last time it's funny. I went through my life review and I started to review it and I, I fast forwarded it into my future and forgot where I was at. So I actually saw what was going to take place. And then I came back and I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> that didn't happen yet. What? That's weird. 
I got back to my human brain and, and I remember what my soul knew and then my brain knew something different. And I thought, Oh, that's about to happen. I remember telling my husband, this thing is going to happen. It's a fight we're going to have. And I'm sorry in advance. He's like, Oh, I forgive you. I'm glad you're back in your body. Thank God you didn't die. And I'm like, I did die. I freaking went and talked to God. And you know, he was holding me and I died in his arms because this doctor refused to give me the medicine that I needed. Um, I'm like, if you just give me this one medicine that I ran out of and you give me prednisone, I'll be able to breathe and get back on track. And instead he gave me, um, he told me to come back in a week to see if my asthma was better. It's not going to fucking get better on its own, dude. It doesn't. The, the protocol for all asthmatic patients on the planet is exactly what I was given every single time. And I, and I a new doctor, he was brand new to the medical profession. I'm like, dude, I, I literally called him. I said, maybe you might want to think about being a used car salesman instead, because you're a really shitty doctor. And I died in my husband's arms as a result of you not giving the medicine that I needed. And he got really, really scared. I'm like, yeah, I fucking talked to God. And he was religious. And he was like, what? I'm like, yeah, I went and talked to God. I talked to God for a long time. And you know what? I died in my husband's arms and I've got a six month old baby. You can't put me in this fucking position anymore. You know what the protocol is. Talk to other doctors, confer with other doctors and prescribe me the damn medicine or we're done. And I actually, I ended up quitting him anyway. And I changed doctors and I, I told the um, insurance about him. Like, you know, I literally died in my husband's arms. I had a near death experience, which I don't regret, but it happened as a result of this guy not giving me a medicine to save my life. But God saved my life and weed saved my life because I had smoked weed prior to dying because <laughs> I knew I needed it. I knew, I knew it was going to open up my lungs and, um, it did. It was weird. I came back from this near death experience and I started coughing up and I, and I coughed up a bunch of stuff out of my lungs. It was crazy. It was like, you know, I went through like, I don't know, seven or eight Kleenex, just coughing all this crap out of my lungs. And it was nuts. And when that happened, um, I, I literally, we'd saved my life, <laughs> but divine mother's like, you don't need, you don't need this anymore. You don't need to carry the burden of this anymore. It was like a karmic debt that you paid and also some emotional stuff. You're going to, you're going to heal it all. You're going to be fine. And I went from, I was on 10 medications for asthma and allergies. And I went down to three after my near death experience. <clears throat> so it was crazy. I mean, God ultimately is the ultimate physician and healer, but at the same time, people should give you the right you deserve. <clears throat> but, um, even that experience, like, you know, a lot of people have never experienced a near death experience. And so they will think, well, you didn't really talk to God. It was just, you know, your brain was doing something. It was like, dude, I wasn't even in my brain. I left my damn body. This has nothing to do with my brain. And the naysayers and the skeptics, the skeptic society. Well, it's just, you saw this uh, thing in your brain and this whole thing happened. It's like, dude, I had conversations with people who were dead because I was in heaven with them. And then I came back with knowledge that I never would have had otherwise that other people on earth were able to confirm with me. Once I got back here, explain that shit. 
you know, I mean, I, I met somebody who I, who was dead before, uh, before I met his wife and I came back to tell his wife what he looked like. And she confirmed it. I had never seen a picture, you know, like, come on. He was there. He's a spiritual master. He met me there at the gate, not the gate, but at the end edge of that tunnel. It's not really a gate, but, um, you know, the passageways, but anyway, I just, um, my experiences are crazy. Like compared to someone who lives a very, very simple life and never had a spiritual awakening. I know I sound nuts, but I know that I am the sanest person. I know, I know that I have a good head on my shoulders and I've analyzed it and I've looked at it from, you know, to the limits of science. Science is very limited in explaining this stuff, but I find that metaphysics is not. And I find that spirituality is not limited. (laughs) And as we grow as a collective, we grow in our collective knowledge and we grow in our ability to understand everything. And, And we, as we grow and we reach the limits of the capacity of what we know, all of a sudden new knowledge, new information is gathered among us. And now we're like, Oh shit, look at this. This is kind of cool. You know, like the, the people in India, you know, that have studied this stuff, they've known for 4,000 years that superhuman abilities are really not superhuman. They're just human abilities that you gain once you are, um, spiritually aware and awake enough to be able to handle it. By the time you get the superhuman abilities, you don't really need them anymore because your ego has been overcome, which is kind of a cool, you know, kind of a cool stop. Like if you're unawakened and unaware and you have the ability to destroy shit with your mind, then you might just go around, you know, busting down all the DMVs (laughs) in the U S or something, you know, you know, with your mind and You know, so by the time you get to the point where you have the ability to destroy something with your mind, which I don't have, but my son has it, he's had it since he was a kid and he destroyed a straw. He dropped a straw when he was like two or three years old and it like shattered into a million pieces like it was glass. And everybody that witnessed it were like, holy man, that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And it was because he was angry (laughs) and he destroyed it with his mind. And he destroyed a glass bottle the same way. I mean, it was on the ground with nothing in it. It wasn't overly hot or cold. It was just a bottle on the ground, tempered glass, Starbucks bottle. And it, and it flew into the face of all these people. And, you know, only like this weekend, I was thinking about that incident and I was thinking, wow, he was really mad. And I think he somehow perceived that the people there were going to go in front of us at the emergency room. And so he thought, he didn't even consciously think of it, but I think it was subconscious. Like if, if these people are gone, we get treated next and then we get to go home and eat dinner. I think that's what he's like secretly thinking or somehow in his subconscious mind. Like if I could get rid of, you know, the competition here <laughs> and this glass bottle went flying and it flew into people's hair and they were picking it out of their purses and pockets. <laughs> it shattered into a million pieces and went flying and hit four people in the face and didn't even touch me. And it was right next to my leg. It was like, how the hell did that happen? That was so weird. 
you know, and there were other glass bottles in the area. There were other, there's a plate glass window. Like it wasn't just a thing that shatters all glass. It was just the one thing that was next to my feet. (laughs) And it was just, he was angry and wanted to go home. And it's only when he's angry and wants to go home, do things get destroyed like that? It was weird. But I know he's super like advanced spiritually, but he wasn't aware of it or awake yet. And now he's awakening to it. I'm like, you need to grow into that power (laughs) so you can control it a little more. But I've talked to people who um, had things flying around like a tornado inside their room because they have the power of the wind. That's their superhuman ability, you know, and to anyone who's never experienced that or heard of that, that sounds crazy. They tell their story and people think, well, you're nuts. It's not true. But yes, it is. I've seen it happen in someone else's house. I've seen the evidence. I talked about it last week, you know, but don't ever allow anybody who is still spiritually asleep to tell you that you're crazy or you're hallucinating or that none of this stuff is real. You know, God isn't real. Or if they believe in God and they only are very limited with their religious thinking, like it's like, sorry, but it's not exactly just because a human wrote it down 2000 years ago doesn't make it fully the only reality there is, you know what I mean? Like that's, that was what they were seeing and experiencing at that moment. But that doesn't mean that that's the whole story, you know, like just like when, like when somebody is, um, a little kid and their parents get a divorce so like they're together and everything's great. And then there's a few fights and then one of the parents leaves and suddenly that kid never sees that other parent again. And then they will like develop a, a complex, like maybe it's my fault. You know, they said some shitty thing to me right before they left so that the, and, and usually it's like, you know, when one parent's using the kid as a weapon against the other parent, not meaning to hurt the kid, but not giving a shit in the moment, you know, cause people get, you know, they're hot headed moments, you know? And then that kid is like, Oh, well, it was my fault. It was my fault. Mom left or dad left or whatever. And, um, and then to come and then come to find out, you know, like maybe, you know, 20 years later when they're in therapy and then they call their parent who didn't leave to go into therapy with them. Like, you know, help me understand what's going on What you know, dad left because of me. Right. And then, you know, it turns out the parent will say, you don't have all the information, you know, like, no, your dad was, um, he said something shitty to you because he's angry at me, had nothing to do with you. And he was cheating on me with somebody else he fell in love with and he left to go have a family with someone else or I was cheating on your dad because he wasn't providing me all of my needs and I was the wrong person I was a person in the wrong and he left me and you and he took it out on you and you didn't deserve that and I didn't know he said that to you so you think that I'm in agreement with that thing that the the shitty parents said to you but it turns out I didn't even know that, that he said that shitty thing to you Otherwise I would have corrected it on that day because no, you were never the reason. I'm sorry. You spent 20 years in therapy, (laughs) you know? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a random, it's not, it's, that's not, I made this scenario up, but 
you know, it makes you feel like, oh shit, makes you feel a lot better at the end. You know, (laughs) even though you go through 10 or 20 years of torturous thoughts about yourself and you hate yourself and you wish you weren't ever born and, you know, (laughs) it turns out, oh, well, none of that's true. You know, of course you weren't the reason your parent left stupid, but you don't know that at the time, right? You don't have all the information. Then once you have the whole information, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> he cheated on me, got a disease, and I kicked him out of the house. Oh, that literally had nothing to do with me. All right, damn. Could have saved me a, yeah, thousands of dollars in years of therapy, but all right. I'm glad I know now. Now I'm instantly healed. Uh, you get healed in an instant when you have all the information. You know, imagine thinking that you're going to hell most of your life because you did one or two bad things because your religion says so. And then you have a spiritual awakening and you, you realize that you can like, you could go to heaven no matter what you did. You've already said a sincere apology to the person or the scenario or to God and you've already done better and then you start realizing oh and you might have a near-death experience and actually go to heaven and you're like oh so i didn't go immediately to hell that's interesting (laughs) maybe i'm not going to go immediately to hell when i actually die either (laughs) oh well maybe they were all lying to me maybe this isn't even true it's not even real all right or maybe it's real but it's not real for me it's not in my reality it's not going to happen to me Well, now they have that information. I feel much more relaxed. I can actually sit still. I can actually love life. I can actually have a drink of wine once in a while and know that God's not going to send me to eternal damnation because I had a drop of alcohol. Like, fuck, that's, yeah. And you know, can you imagine you guys, the people that are super religious and they think they're going to die and go to hell if they drink alcohol And the knowledge came out just a few years ago that there's one or two drops of alcohol in every bottle of Coca-Cola. Can you imagine the tailspin, the emotional bullshit that put thousands of people in when they realized they've been drinking Coca-Cola and avoiding alcohol their whole lives and yet they've been drinking alcohol their whole lives in coca-cola and now they think oh shit i'm going to hell (laughs) you know pepsi i think is the same they discovered there's a little bit like one or two drops like you know plants turn into alcohol after a while and these drinks are made from plants and sometimes there's a little bit of alcohol like they they turn just a little tiny bit before that bubbly carbonation is added and the cap is put on and sometimes they turn just a little bit oh my god thousands of people are going to hell now (laughs) it's not true it's not true i don't know so just be patient with people who don't believe you or think you're crazy because you believe in higher vibrational things or that we're going to the fifth dimension like I know we are we're already here I've seen it I've seen the plasma in the sky I've seen you know not every day not constantly but I don't know um it is what it is so um my beautiful Miss Knowledge Ravenspell is sitting here on my chair I told her earlier she could sit on my cushion and now she's made it a bed 
over the weekend I bought her a tiny gnome, a Christmas decoration. It's got a little sand bottom so it could sit up, upright and it's got a very pointy red hat with a little gray um, felt uh, heart on it and she adores it. She's been cuddling with it and playing with it like it's a little mouse and carrying it around in her mouth like a like a little um, like mouse or I don't know <laughs> just a little her little doll she's super loving it anyway do you want to say hi to the people girl no she's asleep she she just put her little paw over her eyes so now I'm sitting on my little tiny <laughs> I'm sitting on the cat's bench next to my um <laughs> next to my normal chair that I sit in to deliver to you guys this space weather news. So spaceweather.com is where we go. If you want to go check out some of these pictures I'm about to describe, uh, the current solar wind condition an hour ago was 391.2 kilometers per second. I'm going to refresh the page and see if it's gone up because we are expecting tonight and tomorrow a solar wind stream to hit it's approaching us right now and the solar wind speed will pick up by the time it reaches us so i'm gonna go ahead and um i'm waiting for it to uh refresh the page so here we go it has picked up we're now at 382.8 eight kilometers per second. I think it's more, right? Did I say 392 earlier? Now, now I can't remember what it was. Damn it. Anyway, I think it's picked up even if it's got, sometimes it goes a little bit lower, like it dips and then it picks up big time. So anyway, uh, what it says here is incoming solar wind stream, a minor stream of solar wind is approaching earth and it could cause polar geomagnetic unrest when it arrives on the 8th or the 9th of November, which is like today or tomorrow. The gaseous material flowing from an equatorial hole in the sun's atmosphere, um, is, is that's where it's coming from. And the auroras could appear around the Arctic Circle as the planetary K index reaches a value of 3 or 4. I don't know what the planetary K index is. It's a whole other thing to discover. <laughs> But anyway, a new sunspot is growing at the uh, circle location, which is just above the equator over to the left part of the sun. Now, according to, um, there's two dark cores. Let's see. According to NASA's Solar Dynamics Observatory, um, they have a video of these um, uh, sunspots growing yesterday sunspot ar2895 did not exist and now it is bigger than earth (laughs) so yeah okay so the two dark cores are as wide as earth there's two cores to this and this is a double sunspot crackling double Ooh, i'm thinking twin flames baby maybe there's some twin flame energy there Uh, muscle testing says yes is that okay good the growing double sunspot is crackling with the c-class solar flares activity which could intensify if the region's development proceeds um apace a-p-a-c-e that's weird so it basically if it keeps continuing the way it is it's going to get more and more we are now um Uh, Also being made aware that 
there's going to be a Venus and moon conjunction coming up on December 6th. For those of you who have never put the two and two together, <laughs> no pun intended, um, Venus and the moon together is the symbol of Islam with the star and the moon and it's like a crescent moon with Venus, um, like facing it. That is what the symbol of Islam is. It's just, it's all things natural in the natural world that God created. So just kind of a fun fact there, but here we go. So Venus is the, um, has been called the evening star or the morning star, just, you know, depending on what time of the year it's coming up on the horizon or going down on the horizon. So, um, it's something interesting to notate. Also, Jesus was called the morning star, I believe, or the evening star and Lucifer, the devil's called the morning star. It's kind of crazy, right? And that's his last name. His like, you know, human last name, Lucifer morning star <laughs> as from the show Lucifer, as well as it's a name that he had created for himself when, you know, he was one time when he was incarnated as a human form, I guess. I don't know. I don't know where it came from. I have to research that a little more. Anyway, um, there is a computer malfunction at NASA Langley. Um, so the thermosphere climate index, in case you go to the website, it's going to be unavailable this week. We don't really talk about this so much, but interesting to know that some of the equipment's down, right? Uh, the HeartMath Institute is down as well. So we won't have those, um, uh, pieces of information, uh, as far as the Schumann residence is concerned, we don't know what's going on with the heart math Institute, but let's see, we are, um, the neutron counts from Ulu, Finland coming down the pike is 7.3% of the space age average. The 48 hour change has, it's gone up by 1.3%. However, um, it looks like it had really dipped over the weekend, meaning we had a lot more cosmic radiation coming in and now, um, it's going to go probably down again in the next two days. Um, when we hit the solar wind coming our way on November 8th, the network reported 16 fireballs and what network is out the all sky fireball network and NASA's all sky cameras. There were 13 sporadic. There's that number again. 13 keeps coming back and back and back to me. <laughs> it's my magical number. I guess it's a number of death. <laughs> anyway, one was a Northern Torrid. One was an Orionid. One was a Northern Iota Drac Draconid Draconid. And that is the news from the all sky fireball network. Search your skies. You might just see a cool ass fireball. The solar wind coming from the equatorial corona hole will reach us either tonight or tomorrow, as we already discussed. And the only thing, the last piece of information, things that could be an explanation for the ascension flu symptoms that we're having from time to time is the disclosure news coming out of Italy. And the big number there, I'm waiting for the page to load, unfortunately. All right. I knew there was a blackout. I had a feeling and speaking of equipment going down, the Schumann residence coming out of Italy is 17. And then that's followed by a blackout in the heart math Institute uh, system is down and some of NASA's Langley equipment is down. So something's going on. 
it's kind of crazy. Anyway, there it is. Um, if you're having problems with your, you know, electronics, then there may be maybe another space weather reason for it. Anyway, that's it for now. I'm going to take a quick break. And when I come back, we're going to read our book, starting with chapter 60, right after this wonderful message about Jupiter jewels, right after this. This episode of Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast, is sponsored by Jupiter Jewels, an independent online crystal store helping you to connect more deeply with all Jupiterian blessings, including spirituality, abundance, self-growth, and more. Providing affordable shipping across the UK, Europe, and North America, Jupiter Jewels can help you progress on your spiritual path with ease. Visit jupiter-jewels.com today to explore life's hidden jewels. That's jupiter-jewels.com. Alright guys, so we are in the next installment of the Aquarian Gospel of Jesus the Christ. This is a book that was written over a hundred years ago, and it was really um, two people that were uh, sitting down to read the Akashic Records. One person was reading the Akashic Records while the other person took the notes, um, you know, and the other person would say it out loud and then, you know... I guess Levi is a person who uh, read the records and then I guess it's his wife or girlfriend, I can't remember which, sat down and wrote down everything that he said. So he probably was sitting there meditating, closing his eyes and, okay, it says this, you know, and then she would write down and took copious notes and then they turned it into a book. It's pretty interesting. And, um, one thing that's weird about this, and I don't know if this was just in the Gutenberg.org, uh, version or if it's in the actual book, I can't remember cause it's been a lot of years since I've held the actual book in my hands, but they have it divided up into chapters and then they have, uh, a number like for lines. So you could say chapter 60, number five or chapter 60, number 13. And that's, um, kind of like the Bible. So I thought that was kind of strange, something I haven't mentioned yet about it, but I think this is the eighth week we're doing this. I have to look at last week to make sure that I'm right in that, but we did leave off with chapter 60 and remember Jesus was in the mystery school in Egypt and he was tempted by a bunch of different scenarios and he earned the title of the Christ and he was then uh, working with uh, the deceased people and had a few interactions there and he left um, I think he maybe hadn't quite left Egypt yet and he's getting ready 
to go uh, somewhere else. So let's just start again. This is the Aquarian gospel of Jesus, the Christ chapter 60. Jesus addresses the seven sages, the address Jesus goes to Galilee. So that's like the shorthand of what we're in for in this chapter. The seven days of silence passed and Jesus sitting with the sages said, the history of life is well condensed in these immortal postulates. These are the seven hills on which the holy city shall be built. These are the seven sure foundation stones on which the universal church shall stand. In taking up the work assigned for me to do, I am full conscious of the perils of the way. The cup will be a bitter one to drink and human nature well might shrink. But I have lost my will in that of holy breath. And so I go my way to speak and act as I am moved to speak and act by holy breath. Now he's capitalizing this, these words, holy breath, H-O-L-Y-B-R-E-A-T-H. The words I speak are not my own. They are the words of him whose will I do. Man is not far enough advanced in sacred thought to comprehend the universal church. And so the work that God has given me to do is not the building of that church. I am a model maker sent to make a pattern of the church that is to be a pattern that my age can may comprehend. My task as a model builder lies within my native land and there upon the postulate that love is the son of God, that I am come to manifest that love. The model church will stand. And from the men of low estate, I will select 12 men who represent the 12 immortal thoughts. And these will be the model church. The house of Judah, my own kindred in the flesh, will comprehend but little of my mission to the world. And they will spurn me, scorn my work, accuse me falsely, bind me, take me to the judgment seat of carnal men who will convict and slay me on the cross. But men can never slay the truth. Though banished, it will come again in greater power. For truth will subjugate the world. The model church will live. Though carnal man will prostitute its sacred laws, symbolic rites and forms for selfish ends, and make it but an outward show, the few will find through it the kingdom of the soul. And when the better age shall come to the universal church, I'm sorry, not to, let me reread that. And when the better age shall come, the universal church will stand 
upon the seven postulates and will be built according to the pattern given. The time has come. I go my way unto Jerusalem and by the power of living faith and by the strength that you have given and in the name of God, our Father God, the kingdom of the soul shall be established on the seven hills and all the peoples, tribes and tongues of earth shall enter in. The Prince of Peace will take his seat upon the throne of power. The triune God will then be all in all. And all the sages said, Amen. And Jesus went his way, and after many days he reached Jerusalem, and then he sought his home in Galilee. Now we are in section 13. <laughs> oh, I did not expect that today. This number's come up many times uh, for me in the past couple hours, actually. <laughs> so uh, here we are again. All right. Okay, so section 13 is entitled Mem, M-E-M. Again, this is another name of one of the letters of the alphabet um, in Hebrew. It's a Hebrew letter. And I can't remember what it means right now, but you could look it up. M-E-M. And this, is, this section is all about the ministry of John the Harbinger. You might have heard of him as John the Baptist. Jesus's cousin. So this is um, this is what we're going to get into with chapter sixty-one. John the Harbinger returns to Hebron, lives as a hermit in the wilds, visits Jerusalem, and speaks to the people. That's what we're in for in this chapter. It came to pass when John, the son of Zacharias and Elizabeth, had finished all his studies in the Egyptian schools, that he returned to Hebron, where he abode for certain days. And then he sought the wilderness and made his home in David's cave, where many years before he was instructed by the Egyptian sage. Some people called him Hermit of Engedi, and others said he is the wild man of the hills. He clothed himself with skins of beasts. His food was carobs, honey, nuts, and fruits. When John was 30 years of age, he went into Jerusalem and in the marketplace, he sat in silence seven days. The common people and the priests, the scribes and Pharisees came out in multitudes to see the silent hermit of the hills, but none were bold enough to ask him who he was. 
But when his silent fast was done, he stood forth in the midst of all and said, Behold, the king has come, the prophets told of him, the wise men long have looked for him. Prepare, O Israel, prepare to meet your king. And all that was, I'm sorry, and that was all he said. And then he disappeared and no one knew where he had gone. And there was great unrest through all Jerusalem. The rulers heard the story of the hermit of the hills, and they sent couriers forth to talk with him that they might know about the coming king, but they could find him not. And after certain days, he came again to the marketplace, and all the city came to hear him speak. He said, Be not disturbed, you rulers of the state. The coming king is no antagonist. He seeks no place on any earthly throne. He comes, the Prince of Peace, the King of Righteousness and Love. His kingdom is within the soul. The eyes of men shall see it not, and none can enter but the pure in heart. Prepare, O Israel, prepare to meet your King. Again, the hermit disappeared. The people strove to follow him, but he had drawn a veil about his form and men could see him not. Oh my gosh. That's uh, like in Harry Potter. (laughs) The invisibility cloak. Oh my God. So I'm going to read that part again. (laughs) Again, the hermit disappeared. The people strove to follow him, but he had drawn a veil about his form and men could see him not. A Jewish feast day came. Jerusalem was filled with Jews and proselytes from every part of Palestine. And John stood in the temple court and said, prepare, O Israel, prepare to meet your king. Lo, you have lived in sin, the poor cry in your streets, and you regard them not. Your neighbors, who are they? You have defrauded friend and foe alike. You worship God with voice and lip, your hearts are far away and set on gold. Your priests have bound upon the people burdens far too great to bear. They live in ease upon the hard-earned wages of the poor. Your lawyers, doctors, scribes are useless cumberers of the ground. They are but tumors on the body of the state. They toil not, neither do they spin, yet they consume the profits of your marts of trade. Your rulers are adulterers extortioners and thieves regarding not the rights of any man and robbers ply their calling in the sacred halls, the holy temple you have sold to thieves. Their dens are in the sacred places set apart for prayer. Hear, hear, you people of Jerusalem, reform, turn from your evil ways, or God will turn from you. 
and heathen will from afar will come and what is left of all your honor and your fame will pass in one short hour prepare Jerusalem prepare to meet your king he said no more he left the court no one saw him go the priests the doctors and the scribes were all in rage they sought for John intent to do him harm they found him not the common people stood in his defense they said the hermit speaks the truth and then the priests the doctors and the scribes were sore afraid they said no more they hid themselves away chapter 62 John the harbinger again visits Jerusalem speaks to the people promises to meet them at Gilgal in seven days goes to Bethany and attends a feast Next day, John went again into the temple courts and said, Prepare, O Israel, prepare to meet your king. The chief priests and the scribes would know the meaning of his words. They said, Bold man, what is the purport of this message that you bring to Israel? If you be seer and prophet, tell us plainly who has sent you here. And John replied, I am the voice of one who cries out in the wilderness. Prepare the way, make straight the paths, for lo, the Prince of Peace will come to rule in love. Your prophet Malachi wrote down the words of God. And I will send Elijah unto you before the retribution day shall come to turn again the hearts of men to God. And if they will not turn, lo, I will smite them with a curse. So I'm just going to break for a quick second and point out that not only did John have a magical dare I say, warlock-like or witchcraft-like, magical veil he could wrap around his body and disappear. Invisibility cloak, anyone? And this guy, Malachi, said he's going to smite people with a curse. Huh. If that's not witchcraft, if that's not the dark arts, I don't know what is. Hmm, interesting. The Bible is filled with witches, warlocks, magicians, magi, whatever. Interesting, right? (laughs) I mean, I just want to point that out right now. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure this is in the Old Testament where Malachi said this, that he will send Elijah. That's another name for uh, Yeshua. Like Jesus is a name for him, but it's not his name. (laughs) I mean, they called him what Esau, Elijah, Sananda, Jesus, you know, all these names aren't really his real name, Emmanuel, you know. So that's uh, interesting. So let's get back into it. 
and I will send Elijah unto you before the retribution day shall come to turn again the hearts of men to God. And if they will not turn low, I will smite them with a curse. You men of Israel, you know your sins. As I passed by, I saw a wounded bird prone on your streets. And men of every class were beating it with clubs. And then I saw that justice was its name. I looked again and saw that its companion had been killed. The pure white wings of righteousness were trampled in the dust. I tell you, men, your awfulness of guilt has made a cesspool of iniquity that sends a fearful stench to heaven. Reform, O Israel, reform, prepare to meet your king. And then John turned away, and as he went, he said, In seven days, lo, I will stand at Gilgal by the Jordan ford where Israel first crossed into the promised land. And then he left the temple court to enter it no more. But many people followed him as far as Bethany, and there he tarried at the home of Lazarus, his kin. The anxious people gathered all about the home and would not go. And John came forth and said, Reform, O Israel, reform, prepare to meet your king. The sins of Israel do not all lie at the door of priest and scribe. Oh, think you not that all the sinners of Judea are found among the rulers and the men of wealth. It is no sign that man is good and pure because he lives in want. The listless, shiftless vagabonds of earth are mostly poor and have to beg for bread. I saw the very men that cheered because I told the priests and scribes of their injustice unto man, throw stones and beat poor justice in the streets. I saw them trample on the poor dead bird of righteousness. And you who follow after me, you commoners, are not one whit behind the scribes and priests in crime. Reform, you men of Israel, the king has come. Prepare to meet your king. With Lazarus and his sisters, John remained for certain days. In honor of the Nazarite, a feast was spread, and all the people stood about the board. And when the chief men of the town poured out the sparkling wine and offered John a cup, he took it, held it high in the air, and said, Wine makes glad the carnal heart, and it makes sad the human soul. 
It plunges deep in bitterness and galled the deathless spirit of the man. I took the vow of Nazar when a child, and not a drop has ever passed my lips. And if you would make glad the coming king, then shun the cup as you would shun a deadly thing. And then he threw the sparkling wine out in the street. As an aside, I call that alcohol abuse, but that's just me. (laughs) I love John so much. He was an incredible person. He was my cousin also, but he uh, was very serious about that. He never drank. He was very straight-laced. And he ate really healthy. Did you guys hear that diet? My God, fruits, nuts, carob. Oh, I love carob. That's awesome. It's like the wannabe chocolate of the world, but it's really good. I bet it's good with fruit. (laughs) All right. Now we're on to chapter 63. John the Harbinger visits Jericho meets the people at Gilgal, announces his mission, introduces the rite of baptism, baptizes many people, returns to Bethany and teaches, returns to the Jordan. And John went down to Jericho. There he abode with Alpheus. Maybe it's called Alpheus not Alpheus, like A-L-P-H-E-U-S. And when the people heard that he was there, they came in throngs to hear him speak. He spoke to none, but when the time was due, he went down to the Jordan Ford and to the multitudes, he said, Reform and in the fount of purity, wash all your sins away. The kingdom is at hand. Come unto me and in the waters of the stream be washed. Symbolic of the inner cleansing of the soul. And lo, the multitudes came down and in the Jordan they were washed. And every man confessed his sins. For many months in all the regions round about, John pled for purity and righteousness. And after many days, he went again to Bethany and there he taught. At first few, but the honest seekers came, but by and by the selfish and the vicious came with no contrition, came because the many came. And when John saw the unrepentant Pharisees and Sadducees come unto him, he said, You children of the vipers, stay. Are you disturbed by news of coming wrath? Go to and do the things that prove repentance genuine. Is it enough for you to say that you are heirs of Abraham? I tell you, no. The heirs of Abraham are just as wicked in the sight of God when they do wrong as any heathen man. Behold the axe 
and every tree that bears not wholesome fruit is cut down at the roots and cast into the fire. And then the people asked, what must we do? And John John replied, accept the ministry of helpfulness for all mankind. Spend not upon your selfish selves all that you have. Let him who has two coats give one to him who has no coat. Give part of all the food you have to those in need. And when the publicans came up and asked, What must we do? John answered them, Be honest in your work. Do not increase for selfish gain the gain the tribute you collect take nothing more than what your king demands and when the soldiers came and asked what must we do the harbinger replied do violence to none exact no wrongful thing and be contented with the wages you receive among the jews were many who had been waiting for the Christ to come. They regarded John as Christ, but to their questions, John replied, In water do I cleanse, symbolic of the cleansing of the soul, but when he comes who is to come, lo, he will cleanse in holy breath and purify in fire. His fan is in his hand, and he will separate the wheat and chaff. He will throw the chaff away, but garner every grain of wheat. This is the Christ. Behold, he comes, and he will walk with you, and you will know him not. He is the king, the latchet of his shoes I am not worthy to unloose. And John left Bethany and went again unto the Jordan Ford. All right. wanted to bring this up that these rituals, cleansing with water, cleansing with fire, cleansing with the holy breath. That's fire, air, and water. And this is also a form of witchcraft. (laughs) This is not much different than what people who claim to be witches do or use it's really the same damn thing (laughs) you know we all just want to be cleansed we all just want enough to eat and and live and breathe and have protection and know God really there's really no difference (laughs) anyway chapter uh, 64 Jesus comes from Galilee and is baptized by John the holy breath testifies of his messiahship the news reached Galilee and Jesus with the multitude went down to where the harbinger was preaching at the ford when Jesus saw the harbinger he said behold the man of God behold the greatest of the seers behold Elijah has returned All right, so he is a man of God. 
and he is a seer. What is a seer? But somebody who is hello, clairvoyant. He already told people about his future because hello, he is like a witch or a warlock or a wizard. If you will, (laughs) he can see the future. It's not illegal for Jesus to do it. And he said in the Bible, you could do all this and more. Well, let's see in this book. If he says that you could do all this and more, he might, I think he might already have, I'm not, I think he did actually, but I can't remember, but I'm just, I'm, you know, he is a seer. He has clairvoyance. He has claircognizance. He's got perceptions of the future. He has extrasensory perception, which is what not only is it an, a superhuman ability or rather just a human ability of people uh, that have gained in spiritual knowledge and awareness, but also it's something that witches strive towards. Wow. (laughs) And then it says, behold, Elijah has returned. What does that mean? Returned from where is he Elijah? No, he's Jesus. But why do they call him Elijah? You know why? Bum, bum, bum. Reincarnation is real. (laughs) Reincarnation is real. He's doing magic left and fucking right. (laughs) I'm sorry. I just, I have to point it out because, you know, all the people who say that they follow Jesus and then they condemn other people and judge other people for being in the witchcraft way and they're just like so blind to their own personal rhetoric and religious boxes that they can't even they can't even see they need to put holes in those boxes and breathe a little and understand that it's all the same thing (laughs) i'm sorry i just had to point it out because it's just such it's the height of of hypocrisy to me it just really is and (laughs) I heard a a funny story about Jehovah Witnesses. If we have a moment later, I will have to uh, bring that up for you guys at the end of this show. But anyway, I just, it's like, oh my God. (laughs) Anyway, um, so here we go. When Jesus, the harbinger, he said, I'm sorry. When Jesus saw the harbinger, he said, behold, the man of God, behold, the greatest of the seers. Behold, Elijah has returned. Behold, the messenger whom God has sent to open up the way. The kingdom is at hand. Okay, so this is what Jesus said. So he's saying this about Jesus himself is a seer, but so is John. He is a, he's a prophet, right? John the Baptist, John the harbinger. He's a harbinger. He's been going around telling everybody he's coming. He's on his way. I feel him. He's almost here. He's going to be here. You guys have got to repent right now. You got to see what you're doing. You got to wash yourself of your sins. You got to cleanse your soul because the man of love, the man of God is coming. He is your King. This is the man you need to listen to, right? This is your spiritual cleansing. This is your spiritual joy and he's on his way, you know, basically here he comes. (laughs) This is the one you want to listen to. You know, he had to kind of round up the posse, tell the people, look, this is the man you have to listen to. And that was his job and he did it perfectly. Right? So it's funny. So Jesus saw the harbinger and he said, 
Behold the man of God. Behold the greatest of the seers. Behold, Elijah has returned. Behold the messenger whom God has sent to open up the way. The kingdom is at hand. So I guess uh, Elijah is actually John the Baptist or John the Harbinger. So that's pretty cool. Either way, it, it means he's returned from what? He's reincarnated again. He's here again, living again. He already said he's coming back. And guess what? Here he is. <laughs> it's so cool. Anyway, um, when John saw Jesus standing with the throng, he said, Behold, the king who cometh in the name of God. And Jesus said to John, I would be washed in water as a symbol of the cleansing of the soul. And John replied, you do not need to wash for you are pure in thought and word and deed. And if you need to wash, I am not worthy to perform the right. And Jesus said, I come to be a pattern for the sons of men. What and what I bid them do that I must do. And all men must be washed symbolic of the cleansing of the soul. This washing we establish as a right, R-I-T-E, a baptism right, we call it now. And so it shall be called. Your work, prophetic, Harbinger, is to prepare the way and to reveal the hidden things. The multitudes are ready for the words of life, and I have come to be made known by you to all the world as prophet of the triune God and as the chosen one to manifest the Christ to men. Then John led Jesus down into the river at the ford, and he baptized him in the sacred name of him who sent him forth to manifest the Christ to men. And as they came out of the stream, the holy breath in form of dove came down and sat on Jesus's head. A voice from heaven said, This is the well-beloved Son of God, the Christ, the love of God made manifest. Okay, so this is really freaky. The second I said those words, the whole page changed. The font got much bigger and it turned blue. And then it went back to normal, smaller and black. Right when I said those words. I think I meant to reread that. A voice from heaven said, This is the well-beloved Son of God, the Christ, the love of God made manifest. John heard the voice and understood the message of the voice. Now Jesus went his way and John preached to the multitude 
as many as confessed their sins and turned from evil ways to ways of right. The harbinger baptized, symbolic of the blotting out of sins by righteousness. And by the way, you may baptize yourself every single day when you take a shower or splash water on your head or your face. Um, it's symbolic. It's a good symbol. It really is just to, you just imagine that you're, you're clearing that energy away all the time. Just anything, any bad negative thoughts, any evil that came your way, just wash it away, baby, wash it away. You know, even in, um, uh, in, um, Islam, it's not, I don't think it's in the Quran to do this, but it's, in the aftermarket books and it's just part of the culture of um the um of Islam in among the Muslims and I myself I am a Muslim only because we're told in Islam to follow Jesus and all the all of his works as well as all of the new stuff the new information in the new book right so um basically and um we have to put uh, we we perform a rite called wudu which is W-U-D-U. It's like a Arabic word for kind of the same thing, baptism. You uh, wash your uh, feet from the tops of your ankles down. You put splash water and you imagine that all of the negative stuff is going out. You put water on your hands from the wrist down and on the top of your head and on your forehead and you splash water on your face and you just, you kind of, you say a prayer like, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me, God bless me. Like the whole time you're doing it, but it's in Arabic and it's very beautiful. And I find it to be a very wonderful kind of um, ritual. And this is something that you can do. You don't even have to be religious of any kind to just use water as an element. You could be a witch and do this. Like you could not, you could be not religious and not a witch. You just be just an atheist and just do like allow, like when you go into the shower, just allow it to cleanse your energy field. Basically, you know, you could do this in a way that will allow you to wipe away all the sins of the world and the sins of yourself and the bad thoughts you've had. And it cleanses your aura, cleanses your chakras, cleanses you on every level. And just imagine it's a symbolic thing, but you use your creative imagination to just bring that energy out, the negative energy. And it works. It does. You feel a lot better. Do you guys feel better when you take a shower? That's what it does, you know, but if you, you can make it, um, like a rite and a ritual and you could do this every day. So even if you're not a Christian and you, you know, you've, you don't have to just be baptized once as a baby and you never wash away your negativity again after that. Babies don't have negativity. Babies are awesome. You know, it's just kind of a seal to seal in the good, positive love that they are without baptism, that first one that in that, but you don't have to be that religion to do this. You can do and, and Jesus himself wasn't even a Christian, obviously. So <laughs> that hadn't even been invented yet. So you can go ahead and just use this as a right. That's going to help you in every possible way. Just feel better. Like, ugh, you feel less heavy after a shower. Don't you? you feel lighter and brighter? That's why it cleanses you. I love John so much. He saved my life. I think I might've talked about that in another, uh, 
episode. So he's one of the best, he's one of the best people ever that ever existed. In my opinion, I love him dearly. And obviously Jesus, Yeshua, I love him dearly. All right. So we are, I think I'm done, honestly. Okay. So section, um, 14 is next none N U N, which means fish. Uh, that one I know <laughs> I should know them all. Oh wait. Oh yeah. Duh. Mem means water. Oh my God. Okay. So let's get into that for a minute. You know what? I'm glad we're stopping here. We have 20 more minutes, but I'm going to tell you what mem means. Cause it just came to me. Thank you. Prime creator. He told me. All right. Mem means water. That is the word for water and also the, uh, the symbol that like the, the letter mem, I guess you could say it's M technically, you know, um, in Hebrew, but mem means water and it is the first part of the word memory. Now this is going to get very deep and very metaphysical very quickly. <laughs> I love this topic. It's one of my most favorite things in the whole world. All right. So, um, if you have not heard of the, um, uh, Emoto Masaru Emoto, is that his name? I'm not be, maybe I'm not saying it right, but anyway, um, okay. First of all, this was in the movie. What the bleep do we know? And that movie made this extraordinarily popular this book Masaru Emoto um he did all these studies with water he would put water in a jar with a word and he would put his energy and emotion into that jar that was that word that was on that jar of water and he would leave it for like a time like 30 days or something and then he would take that water and he would freeze it and then he would uh, look at it under a microscope and he photographed it. What does it look like? And like he did one that said, um, I hate you. I will kill you. And he put that horrible energy into this water and it's just like a really ugly kind of disturbing looking blob. And he put the pictures the photographs they're in a book that you can go and, um, look at it. I mean, you know, you could go buy this. It's not, not very much money and it's very well worth it. I used to own this book. I love this book. And, um, so he would say that and then, or he would say, um, I love you. Or he just put love and he just put imagine love. And then he did one for gratitude. And when those water crystals, when he photographed them were extremely beautiful very intricate and very detailed in lots of beautiful patterns. And the shape was very, uh, uniform and, and filled with harmony and balance. Okay. And so he learned through these wildly amazing experiments that water has memory. It almost has like a magnetic quality so that you can, um, bring any energy into the water that you want. You can wash I mean, the water itself can have a negative energy. 
but you can wash the water itself clean by the breath of life that comes through you as you say a word, you put the energy in from your hands, from your own energy, from your fire, from your breath, you know, the air, you can use the other elements to cleanse the element of water. And then in turn, you can use the element of water to cleanse yourself. I read a thing, um, on Instagram, this person said, say the words you wish to manifest in your life over your cup of coffee as you stir it in the morning. And instead of just having a normal cup of coffee, make it a right that will change your life, increase your abundance or your self-confidence or whatever you want in your, in your life, in your world. And then this person said after, well, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, wow, you just changed your whole life with a cup of coffee every day or a cup of tea every day. And that's because water has memory. There is a magnetic memory in water. And that's why the Hebrew word for <clears throat> the Hebrew letter for, um, M, you know, mem means water. Mem itself, it means water. Like nun means fish. <laughs> N-U-N. Oh, I just got it. People become nuns. <laughs> Does that mean nuns are fishes? That's, I guess so, because, you know, you go out and make fishers of men. Well, in this case, fishes of women. I don't know. Okay, that's way too much of a stretch. It's very weird. It's just a very weird thing. It's kind of almost like a word play, huh? <laughs> I'm just playing around with the words at this point. But I do put the words love, which has an extremely high vibrational quality. And I put the word uh, God on all of my water bottles. I do it with a permanent marker. And I hope to God that when they take them and they clean them or whatever they do to recycle these water bottles, I hope that they don't erase the love and the God that I put on all of them. I do hope that the water always holds that energy and that everybody eventually gets a bottle that says love and God on it from me and that they have a higher quality of life. That is my prayer. That is my, my fondest wish and hope that I can affect everybody in this little community where I live eventually just by giving them love and God on every single water bottle, you know, but, uh, so water does have memories and mem means water <laughs> and mem is the first part of the word memory. So it's all very weird, right? How it all kind of connects like that. And it's also very deep and it's easy to understand, but it is metaphysical for sure. And, um, there was something else. There was a water thing that was very expensive. It was in a magazine that I saw. It was a machine that used kind of like a, I don't know if it was reverse osmosis, but it was something, it was a very strange invention that this guy had made. And when you take this, you could take tap water and turn it into purified water with this machine and um, drink it. But what he was saying is that the inventor himself, God rest his soul, he did die. And then the, the people, the family 
um, they continued on with his work after his death. And I remember in this article that was a pretty big, it was like a half a page. It was an advertisement, but they turned it into like an article. And it was very interesting. He said that he discovered through his studies, probably metaphysical, that water has a memory. But when you think about the fact that water is recycled and we have a contained system, it's a closed system on this planet. So this is going to get a little wild for a moment, but uh, people drink the water, hold their own vibrations in their body, good, bad, or indifferent, and then they pee it out. And then it gets recycled, you know, and it gets cleansed like on some levels, but it doesn't necessarily have the memory of itself erased. And it's possible in his opinion and his ideas of this, that you can hold the memory of, um, somebody that was very negative You know, you might be drinking water and have random thoughts come to you, maybe because the memory of the water was um, memories of a serial killer or, you know, know, like a mass murderer or someone who was very, very negative and died of cancer or, you know, because of their negativity. Some people get cancer just because, you know, they live in the wrong part of town and, you know, they drink tainted water, you know, that also has negative memories in it. And then they take that in on energetic levels, maybe empaths, maybe possibly who knows, but you know, there's a wide variety of reasons why people get cancer, not that everyone that gets cancer is super negative because that's not necessarily the case. Although it's possible, it's, you know, one theory, (laughs) you know, people hate themselves or they don't love themselves enough and they don't accept love from others and let alone from themselves that can, um, lead to cancer or it also could be, um, anger, you know, that is misdirected at yourself when your body turns against itself, when you don't love your body, you might love yourself and you consider yourself to be your soul, but you don't consider your body to be a part of that self. Um, you know, but you have to love your body. It's an instrument for your soul. And so you have to take care of it and love it. And at the same time, your body's made of what water, 75 to 80% water. So not only can you use water to baptize yourself in a way that you're cleansing your sins away, you know, symbolically, but you can cleanse the sins that are being held in that water and cleanse the memory that exists in the water in your body. And you can do so uh, by chanting high vibrational phrases. I mean, you could go into, um, you know, just say the word love over and over again, or the word God over and over again, or you can, um, like in the name of, of Krishna, you know, if you want, if you're more into the Hindu thing in the name of Ganesh or whatever, um, Om Namah Shivaya, if you want to say in the name of Shiva, Shiva, if that's your energy, because all of the faces, all the gods in Hinduism are literally just a different aspect of the one true God. And most people who are extremely aware spiritually in India know this. I've talked to several people and 
I don't think I've ever come across anybody in India that I spoke to that was not aware of this. Oh, sure. It's just another, you know, I just, I pray to Krishna because that's the part of God that I relate to the most. I pray to Saraswati because, you know, she's the goddess of, of music and I'm a musician or whatever, you know, um, but that's just the musical part of God. God is the ultimate everything. And there's a, a rite that takes place during a very special holy night of Ramadan, a very special night that's kind of like all the nights are special of Ramadan. It's like 30 days where you fast. It's a pretty hard time for most, um, but it's also uplifting and it raises your vibration considerably to rely on God to keep you alive during the times when you normally eat and you're very hungry and no water, not even a drop of water. You can't even smell gum, you know, like the molecules go into your body. So you have to be so careful not to consume anything outside of the pure energy of God, right? So um, during this time, there's one night where you chant the names of God and, and in, in Arabic and one of the, like the words are like, the greatest teacher, the greatest, um, the greatest, uh, philosopher, the greatest physician, the greatest, you know, and that's what you're saying. God is all of these things. And it's a hundred names or 99 names of Allah. Basically it's 99 things that God is. Of course they didn't put the, the greatest comedian. And I think God is hilarious, but you know, so technically there's a hundred, <laughs> there's a hundred names. I know because he tells me jokes all the time and keeps me in stitches. I love it anyway. Um, but raising your vibration through water is very, um, magical actually. And it can be very wonderful. And if you, put words on your, uh, water, like, you know, your drinking water, or you can even put it, you know, somewhere above your faucets, you know, just like a love or God or whatever prime creator even. But I think the word God, it's like 186,000 Hertz frequency. It's like super high vibration. I think if you do that and, and work with water in a way that you increase the vibration of the water and you cleanse the memory of the water and create a new renewed system when that water passes through your cleansed body and when it goes to the factory or whatever to get cleansed physically the memory of that water will hold what you put there so be a light under the world through your water and um, bring um, that love and that purity and the energy of pure God energy. God is love. Love is God. So you could say love if you're not comfortable with the word God, but put that energy back into your water and be responsible for creating more love in this world in yet a new way that I never talked about before. There you go. It's almost like two introductions in one. <laughs> anyway, I love you guys. I love you guys so, so much. Thank you for tuning in tonight and for being part of the show. Um, oh, I wanted to tell you this uh, Jehovah witness story real quick. Hold on. I gotta go look for it again. Okay. So there was a funny meme on, um, a post by the Hawthorne witches tease. There's a space between each of those with an underscore. If you wanted to find her, I, I love her posts are hilarious sometimes and very interesting. Anyway, this person, Allie B 40, six says 
and, and she, and we're talking about Jehovah's witnesses and it's, and, and, you know, it's just a picture of a brochure that this person got, um, the Hawthorne witches teas lady, they came to her door and they, and she was just like, ugh, and she was very patient with them. She told them she was a witch <laughs> and, but they didn't cower away. They were actually pretty nice to her. And usually, you know, they are very nice. They're trying to recruit you to their religion. So they're going to be very nice in the beginning anyway. <laughs> and overall, you know, mostly they're pretty nice people, but then it gets intense. But anyway, this person says, and she's a witch also, I think. And she says, I got a visit once. I had a cast on my leg and it took ages to answer the door only to be handed a leaflet saying, will this suffering never end? <laughs> Will the suffering ever end? And they, and they got a look and a really, (laughs) and they never came back to her house. (laughs) Well, that's one way. (laughs) I just thought that was hysterically funny. I was like, oh my God, I've known a lot of people that were Jehovah witnesses. They were pretty sweet people to me and I, I didn't have any complaints, but I've heard horror stories from others. But anyway, (laughs) I just wanted to tell you that because I just thought that was hysterical. Anyway, that's okay. I will be back tomorrow with all unique and original programming, just like always. I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. And that's it. I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the Holy Fifth Dimension. Till next time, guys. Peace. guys, I've been making episodes of Metaphysical Soul Speak, the podcast, for a while now, and many of you have contacted me wondering just how you can support me and my podcast. Well, I have two solutions for this question. Number one is to become a listener supporter in which you go to the Anchor app, locate my channel, and sign up anywhere from 99 cents to $9.99 monthly, and you can stop anytime. Or number two is to make a one-time donation of any amount via Zelle, bank to bank, or through PayPal using my email, mermaidgirl888 at gmail.com, also located in the show description. Now with this option, you aren't, uh, obligated monthly in any way. And you're also not limited. Thank you all so much in advance for your support. Let's keep metaphysical soul speak on the air and onward and upward to the fifth dimension together, guys. Thank you.